some special thing. Like, that's what Christians are just supposed to naturally do. Do you think it's a good idea to learn the word, to study the word, to show yourself approved? Do you think it's a good idea if God calls us to go into the world and make disciples, we might want to learn and train ourselves how to do that? Do you think if you learn and train yourself, you'll be more effective? Okay, you've all hung yourself. I'm just saying you've said yes to like every one of those questions. So are you going to the group? Good answer. Good answer. Praise the Lord. Um, (laughs) One more thing. A lot of you already know this, but um, last year at Christmas time, I think I went over, talked a little bit about how the, um, the shepherds in the uh, Bethlehem area, when, when those, those sheep were being born and raised in that area, they were to be raised for sacrifice for the temple. Um, something that really stood out to me this year, um, especially, was when I was reading about that, they would take the, the um, spotless lambs, when they'd see a lamb born and it was spotless, they would take it right away and wrap it up in, in cloth like swaddling cloth, like swaddling clothes. And they'd wrap them up and put them in a manger so they wouldn't injure themselves, a little feeding trough. They'd wrap them up real tight and put them there so they wouldn't get blemished or bruised or, or anything, any, any damage to them. And I was thinking about that. And can you imagine in that day when, when there, Jesus hadn't um, paid the price for sin yet? So the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So could you imagine raising, and anyone ever seen little, little baby sheep? They are so cute. They are cute as can be. You're raising these little sheep. And then because of your sin, you're having to go and take a knife. Cut that little sheep's throat. Bleed it out. Cut it up and sacrifice it to God because of your sin. Now, that hits me a certain way. And, you know, I give sometimes the Old Testament folks with the laws and the legal, all that stuff, some... But I'll tell you what, they were real concerned about sin. And it really means a lot when you understand, like, you're taking this little innocent lamb, precious little thing, and taking such care of it and then to sacrifice it because of your sin. You know, John said that Jesus was the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And I just, it just so hit me. I thought, oh, God, how could I be so careless with the most precious son? You know, because it happened 2,000 years ago. But the Lamb of God came to this earth to remove the, the sin of the world. And he did it once for all. It's such an amazing thing. But, you know, there, there's a value, I think, to understanding the shedding of blood, to seeing that and to handle that. And there, I think there was a, probably a higher conscious level in respect to not want to defile themselves and to not want to sin. And I think we've lost something by not understanding the significance of that. And I hope you understand. I'm not trying to say become legalistic and... But I think we need to understand the value and, and what it costs for our sin to be removed and to walk in a way that I just think it means something when you, you maybe daily think of that little lamb. Think of, think of what Jesus did, that innocent, there's never been a more innocent man to ever come on this planet. Sinless, spotless, perfect. And our sin was placed upon him and he paid the price. Anyways, that's for free today. Um, I just want you to understand, like, that is something that has really hit me, is like, man, how could, how could, the, how could we have lost the importance of that? So I hope, I hope it stands out to you in the future. When we go and we ask the Lord for forgiveness, maybe picture that little lamb. Amen? Now, that doesn't, that doesn't teach you to not sin anymore. It's the grace of God, the Bible says, that teaches us to not sin. But I'll tell you what, it, it really brings a value 
and a dislike to sin, doesn't it? That's how God sees sin. He hates it. He hates it. All right, if you have your Bibles, maybe onto a cheerier note, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. You guys got a little further last week, so I'm not going to go as far back as I had to with the first group. But Revelation chapter 2, the message to Thyatira, starting in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this. I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality or fornication and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent for her immorality. Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes... And he who keeps my deeds until the end, <clears throat> to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter and broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now last, well not last week, last week we covered the John the Baptist <clears throat> coming as an Elijah, but the week before that in the first part, we covered that Jesus identified himself in the first part of this as the Son of God. First time he's using this title in Revelation. And he says that he has eyes of fire, so he's able to see through all the barriers and the things that we put up in front of him to try to hide or cover, or he's able to see through that and he burns all that up. How we know he does have eyes of fire? You can't hide from his eyes. So then he said that he had um, feet that were burnished bronze. They were pure. So his walk was pure. And he's able to identify and deal with those who are not walking pure. He says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and your service. And he identified this church and said, you're a very healthy church. He, he, he identified their love, but not like the church of Philadelphia that said they had lost their, left their first love. He says, your love is on point. You're, you're doing these things well. And then he gets to the butt. But you tolerate Jezebel. And we began to dissect that a little bit two weeks ago, um, looking at um, Jezebel, who was uh, in on the book of Kings, who was married to King Ahab. And we went through that. He's, I don't believe John is saying, or Jesus is saying, that the woman in this church of Thyatira was Jezebel. He's saying she was like Jezebel in this way. Jezebel, when she was on the earth, in, in Ahab's wife, led Israel into idolatry mixing serving God and serving uh, Baal and, and, and Ashtoreth like 
it was, it was a mixing of bringing God and all these things together. <clears throat> and this is what was happening in this church. A very healthy church, but Jezebel and that, that practicing of mixing other things with what God says. And that's, that's a very um, real thing in this day and age. There's lots of people who are saying, it's okay, you can serve God and, it's, and you can still do this. Or you can still serve God and you can still serve this. You can serve God and, and not really be faithful to everything he wants you to do. And, because making money is like super important. Like, does that make sense? Like, anything that would be different than what God says is false. No matter what kind of spin you put on it, no matter who says it. Just because I feel like in this day and age, um, well, even some of the names listed, right, which are good. There's nothing wrong with, you know, mentioning people's names. But a lot of us, we don't know these people. Like, you don't really know them. You'll just hear someone's name and go, oh, well, this, this must be a good book because I've heard that guy's name before. And then you read it and you invest it. And you go, oh, this, everything they're saying is gospel truth. See, I think it's real important, and as, as, especially young people, and people who are new to the Lord, don't read a whole lot of other books. You need to read the Word of God. This is the one true thing. It, it is 100% accurate. It's God-breathed. Every single verb and sound or syllable is God-breathed. It is right every single time. It'll never change. You don't go back a year ago, oh, yeah, I found out that was wrong. No, it's always right. And it's what we measure everything else by. So until you know the word, you shouldn't be reading a lot of other things because you're not able to measure that against the truth. Does that make sense? And if you can say, well, I really don't understand the word, then you need to take the time and invest or sit down with someone that does or get a translation that you can understand and get it in you. Amen? Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Steve. I'm glad you thought so. Praise the Lord. I told you mental health is better now, right? We did go over, um, I'm going to close the, one of the last verses that Elijah shared that, that we went over last two weeks ago in verse, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. When he comes to the point of, of meeting with the people and he brings everyone together, Elijah says this. He says, now I want you to see in verse 21, Elijah doesn't go and approach the prophets of Baal. He doesn't go approach all these other folks. He comes and he speaks to the children of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but we're in a day and age that I'm going to say two words, and, and nobody likes these two words. Personal responsibility. Nobody likes those words. Like, we never want to be responsible for our own stuff. If, if there's a way to put it on someone else or shift it somehow, shape, or form, we are masters of that. Elijah does something so wonderful. Listen to what he says. It says, Then Elijah approached all the people and said, how long are you going to struggle with two choices? See what he did there? He didn't say anything about Jezebel. He didn't say anything about Ahab. He, didn't. he says to each one of them sitting there, how long are you going to struggle or go back and forth or teeter-totter between two opinions? Because that's what they were doing. Running to God on this and then running to Baal over here. And they were like, well, I think this is okay. Well, this is all right this week, but maybe next week it ain't. But, but then someone else may say that it is okay. So, well, you know, they're pretty godly people, so we're going to go with that now. None of that matters to Elijah. He says, how long are you? 
going to struggle with these two choices. Now listen to what he says. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him so much as a word. I told the first group, that used to really bother me. Like, the nerve of these people. Like, they didn't even say anything. Then it struck me. <clears throat> Elijah so spoke the truth that it silenced every single one of them. That's what happened. How many of you been, I've been in that spot. You're like, I got it going on. I know what's up. Like, and then the prophet comes and pulls some covers and speaks some truth. And you just, the only thing you can say is, I can't even argue it. Like I, I would be, it would be the most foolish thing to do to try to even give an excuse at this point because it is the truth and it is so right. That's what happened. He brought the truth in such a way it silenced them, which was the proper thing to happen there. He said they were hopping, limping, teetering between two opinions. It wasn't that they were just totally abandoning God. They were going back and forth. That's what was detestable. <clears throat> One thing as we're going to read in this next section of um, verses is I want you to pay attention that Elijah's actions were speaking a lot louder than his voice was. He, he draws people to him. He gets close to them. He's not having to scream and yell. And, and it's quite opposite of what was happening on the other side. He was telling them, like, well, maybe your God's asleep. Remember, scream louder, shout louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Like, he's, he's, they're making a ruckus. But Elijah is very, very quiet. He's not, he's not screaming and yelling. And Elijah's not a person that's afraid to be, get loud. I mean, you understand, Elijah, he, like, he's... But, we, but in this next section of verses, I want you to see something really different and significant, I believe. <clears throat> We're going to turn to 1 Kings and in, I had 30, 60, 40, but um, reading some of this this morning, I felt the Lord just highlight a couple of things, so I don't want to skip over it. One other thing I want you to, to talk about Elijah. You know, he wasn't like Jezebel, a self-appointed, that in Thyatira he says this Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. <clears throat> Elijah was a prophet. One of the things that you can guarantee a prophet, especially if he's from the Lord, <clears throat> he doesn't lead people away from the Lord. Well, you'll know he's a prophet, and it's okay if you are a prophet, but you have a lot of people today with these titles, but the, the titles don't mean a whole lot. What I want you to see is real prophets don't lead people away from the Lord. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> when the Spirit of the Lord is moving, when you are coming and there's good food at a place and there's God is showing up there, a prophet doesn't try to lead people away from that place. And I've seen a lot of people who call themselves a prophet, like, oh, I need, to, I need to take these people and really give them the deeper things, like it's saying there, those deeper things, and pull them aside. Prophets don't do that. And I see a lot of prophets today, they don't want to sit in, in, and be under subjection to anybody. That's not a sign of a prophet. Now, prophets and pastors aren't in competition. We're to submit to one another. When someone has a word from the Lord, I, I, I respect that. But I see a lot of times with especially false prophets, they have no covering. They, they don't submit themselves to nobody. They don't sit under authority of anybody. That's dangerous. They're not accountable to nobody. That's not good. You should always have accountability. Amen? This Elijah didn't ever, you're not going to see him saying, well, my word is so powerful because I said it. He's not trying to build himself up. 
He's always pointing towards the Lord. That's the sign of a true prophet. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter, we'll start in verse 30. Chapter 18. We're going to skip a little bit. And so you're, I'm just going to summarize. So um, the false prophets, Elijah's mocking them, making fun of them. Your God must be asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. Um, no fire falls. They cut themselves. And that's a whole other thing. Like people that get involved in cutting, I'm not condemning you. Just understand like that's, a, that's, an, idol, that's an idolatry. That's something that false prophets and idol worshipers used to do. There's a demonic thing behind that. You don't want to get involved in that. That's something that's, it's not something new. This is an old school thing. Um, that was just there for you. Verse 30 says, then Elijah says to all the people, I want you to pay attention to this. He says, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he re- repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. <clears throat> True prophets don't have anything to hide. Hear me. True prophets are in the light. What does he say? He, he's not sitting afar off and like, don't come any closer. He said, hey, come, come close. I got nothing to hide. I believe that's what Elijah's saying. I want to show you something. I'm not keeping anything in the dark. Come close. I want to show you. You're, I'm not playing a trick on you. Understand? <clears throat> he's in the light. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Do you see what he wants them to see? There's some things we need to do first here, folks. Let's, let's get this altar repaired. <clears throat> before this happens, let's go back and fix some things. Let's make sure some things are in order before we go forward. He wanted everyone to see what they should be doing here. And he was doing this from, this is what I'm doing. He's not just saying it, he's doing it. Amen? Remember when I talked about false prophets? Don't just listen to people's words. In order to put your faith or trust in a prophet... You need to see their life. Biblically, the Bible says examine their life. Even pastors, like you're not qualified to lead something if you can't, your life can't be examined by the biblical model. So I don't put a lot of trust in people just because they have a title if I don't know them. I'll put more trust in someone that I know. I know they're not just their words, but I know their deeds. I know their life. I know how they live away from church. So Elijah's saying, come close. He's not afraid to be close with people. <clears throat> he goes on and says, he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Not in Elijah's name. He didn't monument it and say, oh, this is Elijah's altar. In the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the oxen pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar and he was, and also filled the trench with water. He says, come close. And then he starts pouring water over the sacrifice. You know what he's doing? He wants everyone to see, I'm not, this isn't a parlor trick. This isn't a magician type of thing, slant of side of hand. You know, the church has done a lot of that in the past. And I'm not saying this church. Just be anyone that calls themselves a church. Like there's been false healing evangelists. There's been manipulation done. And, and you know what? We don't need to help God. 
He doesn't need our help. God's a big God. Like, you don't need to be helping him and, and having someone come and say, oh, well, you know, say you had this serious problem and then we're going to pray for you. Oh, I'm, now I can walk. Like, there's a reality of that. I've seen people who were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, stage four, documented. God healed them. No help from man. God did it. There's a reality. See, false prophets will do things and kind of help God and manipulate things, not be in the light. We don't need to manipulate nothing. You don't need to, to go like, well, I need to go away for a while, then I'm going to come back and, oh, abracadabra. No. God doesn't need our help. He's a big God. Now, he loves to use us. But as soon as you start thinking like he needs your help, you're going to find out he doesn't. That was for free, too. <laughs> no tricks. He says, watch. I didn't, I didn't go light a little fire underneath there and then start putting stuff on top of it and be like, oh. Or I didn't put any extra fuel, like soak the wood in fuel. He says, Let, just dump some water. Oh, keep dumping water. Dump some more. Dig a trench around there. I want you to see, like, I am not, this is not me. This is what Elijah's saying. It's not me. Now look what happens. Then it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Wow, that's, that's just a coincidence, huh? Or maybe, maybe Elijah knew that, you know what? It's a good idea to be where you're supposed to be when God says you're supposed to be there. Huh. How many might believe that good things happen when you follow God's plan? He didn't just go on his own and say, well, you know, I'm going to do this at this time because it feels good to me. He said, you know what? That's why he was egging him on. Oh, just keep it up. He knew. What time's our evening sacrifice? Okay, enough. Stop. Now it's my turn. I'm going to follow God's plan. We're going we're gonna to do this sacrifice, and I'm going to put the meat on the altar. Lord, have your way. Amen? That might look like something like the church meeting, doing what God's called them to do, even though they may be told, like, hey, this isn't the right time to do that anymore. Well, I'm going to go ahead and follow my God. I'm going to go ahead and do what he says to do. Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he said that we should meet. He said, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So I'm going to go with that. Right? Because good things happen when we follow his plan. Like, if I want to see fire fall, it's probably going to fall when we're supposed to get together where we meet together. What do you think? Now, he can make firefall wherever he wants, but if he says to gather, then we should gather. Now, I'm not saying that this building's all that important to him. It's not the building. It's the ecclesia. It is the assembling of the brethren is what makes the church. It's the tabernacling together of people. Now, this could be at the lake. It could be out in the parking lot, but we are going to come together. We're going to never not come together. Amen. The gifts are for the body to in the bodies to be jointly and fitly knit together together. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you guys agree. Praise the Lord. Goes on and he says uh, the offering. Then it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet, came near. <clears throat> Here he goes again. He comes near and said, so you didn't have to scream across the canyon. He's near and close to the people. Oh, Lord. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, today let it be known, thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that, listen to what he says, I have done all these things at thy word. All these things I've done wasn't my idea. All these things I've done was at thy word. I tell you what, that is where it's at. Church, I want you to hear me really, really good. If at ever you hear the Lord speak to you and tell you to do something, even if you share it with me and I go, I don't know, that seems a little weird, do it. Because here's what I know. You're not going to point your finger at me and blame me for you not being obedient to God. Now, if I tell you not to do it, you better believe God's going to whoop me. Like, he's a good father. If he's telling you to do something and I'm telling you not to do it, he'll give me a spanking. He will tune me up. But I can promise you this. When you stand before the Lord and he asks you, why didn't you do what I told you? You're going, well, Pastor Steve told me, ain't going to work. I can promise you that. Like, I've tried it. You don't need to. Like, listen to him. This is why Elijah did it. Not because Elijah was like, you know what I think? I'm done with this Ahab and Jezebel. Like, psh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to call fire down from heaven. I'm going to show everybody. Our God's a true God. No. God told him. And he was like, I guarantee you, like, are you sure? Like, I'm going to pray about this for a while. Make sure I'm hearing you. And guess what I know? Elijah was so confident that he heard God's voice. Nothing was going to, he said, this is what we're doing. He said, whether this, I mean, he had to, he's put his neck out on the chopping block. It's going to be, if, if, if God doesn't show up, I'm dead. Are we willing to put our neck on the chopping block for what God tells us to do? Because you can say, I believe God all you want. But when you put your action to it is when you know it and when you really believe it. Amen? And I'm preaching to the choir, but some of you <laughs> need to understand that, that also, this is for free. In a time, and I believe we are coming into this time of great miracles and great habitation with the presence of the Lord. Don't mess around. It ain't the time to mess around. You see, the New Testament still has God showing up and handling some things. You read in Acts, I think it's around the fifth chapter. Might be a little sooner. Ananias and Sapphira. God is doing miracles and mighty things in their midst. And the church is growing rapidly. And in the midst of that amazing thing that God's doing, two people lied and said, well, yeah, we sold all this stuff. And, and you, God dealt very, very strongly. And, and there's not an explanation given. There's not an explanation given. But I think this is the explanation. When God is habitating and, and, and moving in powerful ways in your midst, don't mess around. And I believe that's what God's trying to take the church and the church into that place in a preparation of church. You need to know my holiness. You need to know I'm serious about sin. You need to know don't mess around in my presence. Like, get right, because I'm about to do something. Amen? I hope you hear my heart on that. Like, these aren't my funnest messages to want to preach, but, but I want to do it because I'm so looking forward to what God wants to do in our midst. And I don't want to see People get hurt. I don't want to see people get destroyed for messing around. So 1 Kings continues on. It says, Elijah said, I've done all these things at thy word. Verse 37, answer me, O Lord, and answer me 
that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. See, what I want you to see is the church in Thyatira, the biggest but that God had to say to that church, is said, you tolerate Jezebel. Elijah didn't tolerate it. Elijah didn't tolerate that mixing. Elijah, when, when, when God answered, he said, right then and there, make sure you get all of them. He said, I don't want this going on anymore. I don't, we're not going to spare one because I don't want that spreading again. That was the darkest and most evil time in Israel's history. And you might think, oh, that was a harsh thing. Understand the heart behind it. He said, I want all of them taken out. That's God's heart. You see that later on in, th in the message of Thyatira. He says, I'm going to put them, if, if they will not repent, I will put them on a bed of sickness in tribulation or even to death. He doesn't want that to continue. It's deadly and dangerous. And we as, as leaders and even people in the body don't mess with it. Don't mess with that mixing. That's all you see through all these letters that, that, the angel, that, that John is saying, don't mix. Don't put this with God. God's holy. He's righteous. And we've been washed by the, by the blood of Jesus. Don't mix with something else. Don't say that, that something's okay when it's not. See, if the Bible says it's wrong, and I know this is not complicated, but for some way and reason, it has got complicated in the church. I don't care who is telling you. I don't care what their title is. I don't care what their name is. I don't care how many people and how many people follow them on Facebook or YouTube. If they say things that are not right in agreement with the word of God, it's false. Now, I've told you before, I can eat a meal and I'm wise enough, mature enough. I know the word enough now that I can eat something. And if it's not right, if it's a bone or it's I can I can spit it out and I can continue to eat. And I'm not going to say, oh, that guy's a false prophet. But I'm going to tell you what, if I sit down to a meal, which is like read, listening to a message, listening to something that's going to feed my soul and every third or fourth bite, I got to spit something out or it's choking me or I'm getting, I'm not going to eat that anymore. And I'm not going to tell you it's a good place to eat. Right? Okay. Clear. Elijah didn't let it go on. He didn't allow it to continue to be taught. Today, we can't allow it either, church. We can't give, hear me on this, we can't give more attention and respect to human ideas and human philosophies than the Word of God. You maybe want to write that down. What am I saying? We can't give more attention and respect to human ideas and human philosophies than the Word of God. I believe strongly in this day and age, you're going to see a bombardment of that. Man's ideas and man's thought on all this, that, and the other. That cannot be more important than what God's Word says. You have to be able to quickly be able to go, this is what God says, and this is way the heck down there. It may be important to you. And everyone else may say, this is right. 
this is right. And you have to not tolerate it a bit. That doesn't mean you have to be rude. doesn't mean you're to be a jerk. But you have to be, matter of fact, look, I love you, but you're wrong. I understand that you believe that, but I don't. This is what God's word says. It's not my thought or opinion. This is his word. This is what he says. And he's the one who took my sin and shame, went to the cross, and gave me eternal life. So I'm going to go with him. Love you. Is that fair enough? We can't allow false prophets to twist the word of God to fit their human ideas and false teaching. Like, it's sad to me in this day and age that, the well, you know, love is love and, and God is love, so all love is good. No, no. And I want you to understand, my sin is not okay. Like, we are really good at saying, like, well, whatever I do that's sin is not really that big of a deal. But everyone else, whatever they're doing, man, that is the worst thing ever. Can you believe what they're doing? And the church has been real good at doing that for a long time. Church, we got to own our own stuff. And we got to be able to say, like, look, I'm going to take the, the log that's out of my eye. Amen? Before I try to take the speck out of someone else's. But if the log is out of your eye, you can see clearly and you can see through the word that, that's sin. And it's loving to let people know that. It's loving to say, I'm sorry that you've been lied to. That's not okay. because Not because I think so, because God's word says so. And if you continue in that, the wages of sin is death. Amen? It's so wild to me, like we have to cover this kind of stuff today. But we do. Because you are so bombarded, and I'm so bombarded that it's, what I'm doing right now is not loving. You're just not loving. It's hate speech. You can't say that. We're in a culture that is closing everything. Like, anyone that speaks the truth, oh, we're cancel that. Fact-checked. I was fact-checked, and you know what he's saying is not the truth because so-and-so and so-and-so said it isn't. Well, what do they do about so-and-so? What's the word of God say? Fact-check that. And listen to me, if you're listening to people and you can't fact check them on the word of God, quit listening to them. That's why you don't see me go very far from this. I'll get in trouble when I do. So will you. Last point. Those who've been seduced by Jezebel must repent. Verse 21 and 23 of Revelation chapter 2. Listen to the heart of God. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and I gave her time to repent. She does not want to repent of her immorality. You know what, guys? I've been there. The Lord was calling me. I was running from him. And he was giving me opportunity after opportunity to repent. And I got to a point. I said, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And you know what? This is exactly, if I read this, this is exactly what he did. He could have said, and I gave him time to repent, and he does not want to repent of his immorality. Behold, I will cast him upon a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with him into great tribulation, unless they repent of his deeds. 
I don't care whose name you want to put there. That's a fact. Don't mess around with Jezebel. Don't follow those things that are mixing and saying it's okay. Because here's what God will do. He will turn you over. He will turn you over. Okay, you don't want to repent? You don't want to follow me? How's that bed you're sleeping in feeling? And, and I got some news for you. Those who say that, you know, sickness doesn't come from the Lord. I understand. Like, God doesn't put sickness on people who are righteous and, and who are walking with the Lord. That's a, that's a tool from the enemy. But, uh-oh. He said, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. He goes on and says, and I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. What's he saying? Sounded to me like he said, if you are not right with him and you are being deceived by Jezebel, you are not wanting to repent. That's the key thing. You're not willing to repent. You're not willing to say, I'm wrong. God, you're right. I'm wrong. You want to say, I'm right. I can, I can serve God and serve Baal. You're in trouble. Who gets put into tribulation? Great tribulation. Those people who won't repent. Amen? So it kind of goes with the righteous are not going into tribulation. Just like the righteous, God doesn't use like, God does not use sickness and things to put on the righteous to teach them things. God does not do that. It's like, well, I'm going to use this disease so I can teach them how to be more humble. Not if you're a son, not if you're a daughter. If you re refuse to repent, if you refuse to take his word and say, God, you are right. His word says he can do that. That just messed up some theologies. But guess what? His word is right. If my theology is different than this, I'm wrong. And then I got to repent. Amen? I'm getting less amens. <laughs> Look at Jesus' heart. His heart is so, he says, I want, you to, I want to forgive him. I want to forgive him. Jesus wants Jezebel. Can you put the music on for me? Thank you. Jesus wants to forgive. He wants to forgive. But people have to repent. In church, we're not doing anyone any favors. If we go evangelize, we don't bring people to a place of repentance. If you don't bring them to a place of repentance and you just say, well, just say this prayer. That's all they did. You have to repent. He goes as far to say, I gave her time, but she doesn't want to. Listen to the verbs. He says, because she refuses, her and those who have followed her into spiritual adultery will be thrown into a bed of sickness that could lead to death because she refuses to repent. Goes on, those who follow her teaching will be cast into great tribulation unless they repent. Church, there's a lot of this world unless they repent. They're going to be going through a great tribulation. That is not God's desire. God is not like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to dump out my wrath on all these people. No, he's, he's begging, repent, repent. John the Baptist, he sent John as the forerunner. Repent, repent. Jesus is saying, repent, turn. 
We must be saying that same message in this day and time. He doesn't want to do it. He really wants them to repent. But it's so serious. When you read a passage and it says, I will kill her children with pestilence, that should send some serious alarms. Warning. 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 Does that get your attention? Because it gets mine. You think God's just like some mean God is like, I'm just going to kill their children with pestilence. Here's what he doesn't want. He does not want that to multiply. Hello? He does not want that to continue. It cannot multiply. So it must stop. If you're not going to repent, he's going to deal with it. And he's calling on the leaders of this church saying, do not allow it. Deal with it. I don't want that to multiply. So church, you know what we're going to do? We are not going to let that stuff multiply. We are not going to agree. I don't care how many churches. I don't care who says this is okay. And that. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. If Jezebel shows up, Jezebel's going to get dealt with. If Ahab shows up, Ahab's going to get dealt with. And I'm not going to have to deal with them. I'm going to bring them right before the Lord. Choose today who you're going to serve. You're either going to repent and say Jesus is king and he's right, or you're going to have to go. But that ain't going to continue. You're not going to take people who are serving God and start leading them towards, away from God. That is not going to happen. I don't care who it is. I don't care who says it. And I'm not, I hope I'm not boasting in me. I fear God too much to let that go on. Because I'm going to stand before him as your pastor and your shepherd. And he's going to say, why did you allow that? I don't want to hear those words. I want to hear, well done, son. Well done. And if it hairlips 10,000 people and everyone else gets mad, if I'm doing what God told me to do, the only person I want to hear say, well done, is my father. And I'll take a one person, one God saying, well done, over 10,000 saying, you're a jerk. You're not loving. You need to be more loving. Tell you what, I love you because I'll tell you the truth. It might not always be what you want to hear. And I pray it comes across loving. But more than that, I pray it's the truth and I pray you respond and it changes your life. I was praying this. Oh, that song, New Wine. Those words, it says, in the crushing, in the pressing. Oh, I got on the altar and said, God, crush me, press me. And I know what I'm saying. God, crush me. Press me. Make me new wine. I don't want to be old wine. I don't, I don't want to be the same, God. Make me new wine. And in order to pour new wine in, I got to be a new wineskin. I got to be pliable. God, I got to let you do your work. I got I to gotta surrender. I got to be, I can't get stiff and rigid. Crush me. Press me. We got to be saying that, God, you're right. In any way and avenue in my life, God, if it's not aligned with you, crush it. See, many false prophets in that day, and we're not, we're not so too far removed. There's not a whole lot new. Many false prophets in that day sought money, power, and fame. Hear me, church. This is what they were doing. They taught as long as you brought your tithe and as long as you brought your sacrifice to the temple, you can go about your business and do whatever else you want. 
And unfortunately, there's a lot of churches today that are real concerned about building their kingdom. And Elijah didn't care about his kingdom. John the Baptist didn't care about his kingdom. He was eating locusts and honey. But he was real concerned about the kingdom of God. He wasn't willing to compromise to build his kingdom. Because he said, it's not about me. These false prophets, they're seeking money, power, and fame. Teaching you, it's okay as long as you bring your money and sacrifice into the temple. Everything's fine. But see, Jesus said something totally different. He says, all the churches will know that I am the one that searches the minds and the hearts and will give to each one according to your deeds, not according to your words. He said, I'm going to search your, I got eyes of fire, I'll search your minds and your hearts. I'm not going to give you according to what you're saying. You're going to be given according to your deeds. Closing point. He knows what's really behind our motives, church. This is the thing that should deal with every single one of us. It's one thing to say, and it's a whole other thing to do it. What's your motive behind it? Because that's where God's at. See, he's so much there that if you do something out of a motive to be seen, he said, that's great, you got your reward. Your reward is that people gave you applause for it, but you got nothing coming from me. What's our motive? We want to see people healed so people can say, oh my gosh, they have such an anointing on their life. No. I want to see people healed because our God's amazing. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't, Daniel, I I pray, and I'm dead serious, I pray that God uses you more powerfully than he ever uses me. I'm dead serious. I pray that God uses every single one of you. so much stronger than he's ever used me. There was a time I probably wouldn't have said that, but it's 100% accurate. God so taught me a lesson on that early on. Seth, who some of you guys know, I'd sit at the drums and I'd watch God use him to go pray for people and give words. And I was jealous of that. I said, why don't you let me do that? Oh, one day he straightened me out quick. He said, what is it to you? He goes, if I use him to save 10,000, I only use use you to save 10, what business is that of yours? Wouldn't you, what, shouldn't you praise me and worship me and be excited that 10,000 people came to the kingdom? I went, oh, God, you're right. Oh, God, you're right. I don't care. I don't care if you never use me. If I, as long as you're glorified and I see people come in the kingdom. That's got to be our heart, church. And the devil's tricky. He's sneaky. He'll come in and try to bring in some pride if we'll allow it. He'll say, oh, well, if you did that, people will see. we got to break that stuff. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to be seen. I want my God glorified. Elijah said, this wasn't my idea. I did everything that God said to do. God knows what's behind our motives. You can fool people. You can fool people. You can even fool yourself. Done it. Bought my own lie. You can fool yourself. You can't fool God. He sees through all of it. He knows the motive. He knows the heart of man. Man don't know the heart of another man. We think we do, but we don't. God does. Let me pray over you. Oh, Lord. Lord, we love you. God, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice Lord, that you're dealing with, God would just be honest with themselves.
quit deceiving themselves, quit fooling themselves. <clears throat> There's no shame at saying, God, I need you to, to save me. There's no shame in saying, God, I've missed it. I've been, I've been going down the wrong path. I repent. Change your direction. Change, change your attitude of mind. Things that you've been thinking is okay, that he's put his finger on. Repent. To whom much is given, much is required. That is a principle that is so true. You can think God's dealing with God's so strict on me. Maybe God wants to use you in a powerful way. It's going to be different than someone else's. So, yeah, it might be a little stricter road. He might be calling you to, to do, not do some things that other people have a freedom to. Or, or he's calling you to do things, things that other people don't have to do. Submit. Be obedient. His ways are not your ways. They're much higher. He loves you. For such a time as this, you're in the kingdom. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use each one under the sound of my voice in a greater way this year. As we turn the page, as we come out of 2020 into 2021. And Lord, I want to declare, I thank you for, the, for 2020. Lord, you have sharpened our, our, our eyesight, our vision. We've seen what is important and what isn't. We thank you, God, that we understand that you're greater than any virus. You're greater than government. You're greater than politics. You're greater. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we submit to you and no one else. We thank you, Lord, that you are, are a God that's not weak. You're a mighty God. You never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, God. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the medicine that brings healing to our bones. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, and for your forgiveness.